With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Time a week. My name is Bernie Fratter. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be as usual an absolute jam-packed show tonight we've got about six hours of content we'll fit it into three hours in about 15 minutes joe gibbs nfl ref stats he's back we've got more data than ever how does it align past research with current performance and joe will apply to some to some specific nfl games this coming sunday and throughout the weekend week five in about an hour, Mark Medina will join us. Jeez, there's not much happening in the NBA. Any videos out there? You get the picture. We've got a ton of college football stuff tonight. I'll have a six-pack of games to look at. We'll recap last week, look ahead to next week. We're going to touch on the NFL. Of course, Major League Baseball playoff started tonight. So without further ado, let's get the ball rolling. By the way, before I jump into some things, typically on Friday nights, what I like to do it's somewhat recap the Thursday night NFL game. We're going to make it real short and sweet. The Denver offense has left the building. The Denver fans have left the building. The Denver season has left the building. The primary reason, while most folks, if they were still watching at the end, were watching, is because one of the most exotic and profitable prop bets that was on the board heading into Thursday night's game was... Would there be a situation where there was no touchdown scored? There was no touchdown scored. That prop bet paid 125 to 1. So if you had a $50 bet, well, you you know got a cool $625 back. Here's what's interesting. When the darn thing went overtime, it came dangerously close to getting a touchdown, but it didn't happen. So if you had one of those props, 
no doubt about it, you were most likely uh, on pins and needles, and you continued to watch. Not for nothing, by the way, did you notice where college game day is Saturday? I'm going to get to that in a minute. I will tell you all summer, what have we been talking about since May? The allegedly epic potential Texas A&M Alabama game after that Nick uh, Nick Saban uh, Jimbo Fisher dial tribe. Well, guess what? Toto, you ain't in Kansas anymore. And Jimbo, you ain't on game day anymore. Raise your hand or beep your horn if you thought that college game day will be at Kansas Saturday. It is. By the way, Alabama's a tidy 24.5-point favorite as they host Texas A&M and hope to avenge that loss. We're not sure if Bryce Young will play. Do I think he's going to play? Yes. I think it's more of a pain management issue. Now, at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to go into a sort of an in-depth analysis of the four playoff games that happened today. But if you'll notice, it's a little it's a little di- different format. I'm talking about uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs, which are underway. Got going kind of cool. Uh, the first one got going. If you live out here in the Pacific time zone, by 9 a.m. this morning, you had baseball. Man, it's that time of year. October madness, as it were. And right out of the gate, probably didn't think of this, did you? We've got four elimination games Saturday. In fact, for the remainder of the weekend, there are only elimination games. No matter what happens, there can only be elimination games on Saturday and Sunday. So uh, we'll get get back to that in a minute. And, you know, they're not going to recede. You know, it's really interesting how people create problems that don't exist yet and then try to solve them because they're not sure. Wait a minute. Let's say you're a Dodger fan, and it's fair, and you're saying to yourself, Wait a minute, they're not going to recede. So if you look at this Fukakta bracket here, the top National League seeded Dodgers could face a, a Mets team that won 101 games in, its, in the regular season. And why the Astros, the top American League seed, also might face the best of the league's three wild cards, the Blue Jays. All right, pump the brakes. And by the way, it could still happen. I don't think, I actually think DeGrom comes through tomorrow. We'll see. I, I like Blake's now, but he's a little mercurial, right? I think that's going to go three, but anything could happen. I think a Dodger Padres series would be pretty epic as well, but I, I, I like the Mets. I like to see what they can do. But rather than reseed the field after the wild card round, what Major League Baseball decided to do this year was go with the set brackets in these new in this new format. And in early September, uh, Jason Stark of The Athletic mentioned that he believed there would be an obvious problem with the qualifying structure because the incentive – for an American League wildcard contender this season would be perhaps to lose down the stretch and finish with the number six seed instead of the number five. Why? Because the number six seed advances, they'll play a number two seed. The winner of four or five plays a number one. Yeah, I know, it's not, we're getting used to this. So that team would then draw the Guardians, not the Indians, the Guardians, who, by the way, won today, a relatively weak division champion, and they would avoid the Astros in the division series. Turns out it was, you know, wasn't a major concern, at least not this season, because the Guardians got hot in September and they finished with more wins than both the Seattle Mariners and the Tampa Bay Rays. But now the league's this decision they made to stick with set brackets potentially exposes another flaw: the top seeds should be getting the most favorable matchups, and that won't necessarily happen. The league chose set brackets for two reasons. One, it gives the fans more clarity on the path of the World Series. There should be no confusion. The brackets are all over the Internet. They're easy to find. And it reduces the potential chaos for teams that must wait till the very last minute to make their travel plans for the division series. Simple as that. So if the league reseeded after the wild card round and multiple series all in three games, 
Teams could be sitting around Sunday night waiting to figure out where they're going, putting them at a potential disadvantage logistically, physically, competitively. That was Major League Baseball's rationale. So there you have it. In the, in the first round is best of three. The second round will be best of five. And then the League Championship Series will be best of seven. Now, there are no matter what, when you look at either you know, either explanation, most people aren't going to find it sufficient, or at least a certain portion of the people are not going to find it sufficient. The league wants fans to view the expanded postseason as finally Major League Baseball's answer to, well, I guess the Sweet 16 or the March Madness, the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments. The problem is the basketball tournaments are unique single elimination events and they do a much better job of protecting the top seeds. So if the only motivation is to simplify travel, that's a reasonable enough goal. But the potential for chaos while you're waiting for these postseason matchups to finalize, that's actually that's part of the fun of this damn thing. Right? Most people I know like a little chaos. I heard uh, Mike Carmen earlier tonight talking about college football. What, let, let's get some chaos Saturday in college football. Let's see an upset here or there. Let's see Indiana sneak up on Michigan or maybe Texas A&M make it a game or Georgia have an issue, which none of those things are probably going to happen. But chaos has a way of, you know, put more butts in seats if you get my drift. But we get the Yankees, Red Sox, Mariners, and Blue Jays. When they entered the final day of the regular season, they were competing for two wildcard bursts. So the tiebreakers and, the you know, all the logistical nightmares were in play. The Red Sox ended up hosting the Yankees, no big deal. But if there had been an issue, the sport would have, you know, people would have, there would have been teeth gnashing, but listen, we're all still going to watch. So there's no reseeding. The winner of the 3 6 matchups are going to play the number two seed. The winner of the 4 5 matchups will play the number one seed. Like I said, if a number six seed advances, they'll have to play a number two seed. Now, I've been saying it for weeks. Kansas is the best story in college football this year. They land their first ever college game day as Kansas is now 5-0 and and they're ranked 19th. And as I said a minute ago, raise your hand or beep your horn if you had Kansas hosting college game day week six instead of we, it was, we believed it would have been an almost virtual certainty that college game day would have been in, in Tuscaloosa as, as Texas A&M comes to town to play Alabama. After that Jimbo Saban NIL slap fight last summer, Honestly, how many of you thought October 8th, college game day, would would be at the Texas you know, A&M Alabama game? Yes, so do I, okay? Now, Jayhawks fans, they've been lobbying for this, from what I understand, and the college game day crew, they heard your pleas. They're coming to Lawrence for the first time, and this is the, you know, the traveling show. This is probably that network's most popular traveling Saturday morning show. And it's going to, I guess, it's going to continue. Here's here's a little side note for you. This this in, you know, this in 50 cents to get you a cup of coffee at White Castle. It, they're going to they're going to try to continue their undefeated streak when against TCU, who is fresh off a 31 point victory over Oklahoma. So now for weeks, the Kansas faithful, they've made their case. They want to be taken seriously. They, you know, this all started after their overtime win uh, when they beat West Virginia. Remember, West Virginia is a, a Big 12 conference foe. Then Kansas went on to top Nebraska 48-30. to Then they beat Duke 35-27 to a week later. 
Then they had to hold on against Ohio State or Iowa State this past weekend. So Kansas has earned it. They're five and zero. Their best record, their best start since two thousand and nine. Now, since nineteen forty two, as if this matters, only eighty years. Uh, TCU and Kansas, they've actually played thirty eight times. TCU's one twenty five and and only lost four. Figure this one out. They've tied nine times. How does that happen? Well, I don't think there's going to be a tie Saturday if you get my drift. So the Horn Frogs have a distinctive advantage over Kansas. And by the way, they've beaten Kansas three straight. The last time Kansas defeated TCU wasn't all that long ago. It was 2018 in Lawrence, Kansas. So here you go. Kansas looking for their first 6-0 start since 2007. Love their quarterback, Jalen Daniels. Love their coach, Lance Leipold. Teed up. College game day begins at 9 a.m. Eastern time, and the game airs at noon Eastern time on FS1. A little later in the show, I'm going to highlight why this is such a tremendous slap in the face to Texas A&M. Because as you recall, Texas A&M, their program called Amplify, perhaps the most cohesive, comprehensive, you know, uh, you know, targeted, coordinated effort among donors to raise $30 million so they could get six five-star recruits, 11 four-star recruits, check that, 19 four-star recruits, and three three-star recruits, the number one recruiting class in the nation. Give it up to their boosters. They coordinated the most expensive, targeted, coordinated effort, and they have classes and workshops and how to build your brand. It's incredible what they did. All I got to say is when it comes to their NIL efforts, the operation was a success, but the patient is on their deathbed. It's not working. It's not translating to wins, which maybe as we gather more and more data now and more and more empirical evidence, we may come to find out that uh, NIL is fugazi when it comes to winning on the field. We'll see. But for Texas A&M, who I thought was the model of elegance when it came to an, an NIL structure, and, you know, they've got the data to back it. Why are they not winning on the field? Something we'll continue to watch and examine. Hey, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff presented on BetMGM every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app presented by Bet. MGM. Coming up, Joe Gibbs, NFL Ref Stats. Get your pens and pencils ready. Hell of information. Yes, the way referees interpret a game can help you determine whether you should bet the over or under or the side. Joe's got the data to prove it. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Stick and stay. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so last year we had total, this is regular season and postseason, 39 total illegal contact calls for the whole season. So far through four weeks of 2022, we've had 23 calls. Oh, boy. So at this, at this rate, we're looking at tripling the amount from last year. Now, the reason this was made a point of emphasis, and actually Chris Collinsworth talked about this on Sunday Night Football, was the NFL wants more points. He, they're saying it straight out. They want more points. They want more entertaining games. So the illegal contact penalty was made a point of emphasis to ensure that. Well, if that was the objective, it's failing miserably because points, as you know, points are down, I think it's about five points a game on average, roughly. Well, you're not, it's correct, Joe. Not only that, through the first four weeks, unders are coming through at a clip at over 62%, which is crazy. crazy. Yes. I thought, like, going into the season, I thought with the emphasis on this new rule, I was hesitant to there's a lot of referees who do favor the under, and I was like, well, I don't know. If we'll see what happens here, but it's... It hasn't had the desired effect, so I don't know what the next step will be, but it is on pace to triple last year's number, but again, it's not really culminating in anything that would help over betters. Yeah, well, we're going to continue to watch that. I think there are a lot of theories why the games have gone under. Uh, it's it's isolated. Some of the teams are still going over. We have not had great quarterback play across the board, and perhaps the fact that so many teams didn't play starters during the preseason. I think there'll be a market snapback. But nonetheless, let's take a look at your referee data and head to Dallas Rams because you highlight Bill Vinovich and one propensity he has to do that really is probably going to hurt the Cowboys. Yes, a couple of things. There's a, there's a number of things Vinovich does. One thing, the one thing that he doesn't do, I'll emphasize what he doesn't do, which is the overlying, overriding factor for the whole thing, is he doesn't call a lot of penalties on the defense. So I had the under in this game. I, it was originally 44, it's things down to 42. You just look at the matchup just from the team's both offensive lines are shaky. You've got two great defensive lines. So straight away, defenses have the advantage. But the offense is not going to get any help from – I mean, the, the, yeah, the offense is not going to get any help from Vinovich. He doesn't call any penalties on the defense. Last year he called zero roughing the passer penalties. The last time he called a roughing the passer penalty was the 2020 AFC Championship. Okay. Well, of course, Joe, you aptly point out that in the infamous 2019 NFC Championship game between the Rams and the Saints, and the obvious pass interference, Bill Vin- Vinovich that was, was on Vinovich. The yeah, that, that was Vinovich. He doesn't. He, last year, he had the lowest amount of defensive pass interference. He's only had one this year. He had the second fewest defensive holding. He, he just doesn't call these penalties. So the, he also the problem for Dallas is the offensive line. They had they've had nine false start penalties already this season. So to put that in perspective, they had 20 the whole of last year. 
They've already had nine through four games this year. Their offensive line's a problem. The Rams' offensive line's a disaster. They haven't had as many penalties, but they're giving up a ton of sacks. The bottom line is neither referee, neither team's going to get help from the referee from the offensive side of the ball. If they're going to score, they're going to have to earn it, and I'm not sure these two teams can do that. Now you bring up you bring up some good points. I've been looking at that that under hard uh, quite a bit, and and you also point out that Bill Vinovich since 2016 is 61 and 39 of the under. So that's that's 61 percent. Let's jump to the Tampa Bay game. Uh, you you've noted that Jerome Bulger is on this game, and there's a connection there. Yes, straight up division favorites, home home division favorites in the last. Six seasons, eighteen and three straight up, so eighty-six percent. This is with Jerome Boger officiating against the spread. They're twelve, seven, and two. That's still a solid sixty-four percent. So as soon as I saw he was on this game with the Buccaneers at home as a favorite in a division game, I kind of liked Tampa to begin with, and I saw he was on the game. It just made me feel all the more confident. And I wrote this in my article this week about Boga was on the week three game at Cincinnati at the Jets, and Cincinnati at the time was 0-2, heading to New York. And this is almost identical situation, not the division part of it, but everything's set up perfectly. The way he officiates the game benefited the Bengals that day, and it benefits the Bucs this, this weekend because... Again, he puts emphasis on calling defensive penalties, and if a team throws it, they're more likely to get those penalties. Well, Bland doesn't really throw it to begin with. Their offense is very much run-oriented. Tampa will throw it, and they will be the beneficiary of those penalties with Boga. And they've done very well with him. In the Brady era with Boga, there's been five games with him officiating, 32.5 points per game. At home, 35.5 with Boga. So his style just fits the way Tampa Bay does things. And I, re- I really do like it. It's a big number to lay. It was 8.5 when I wrote the column. I think it's up to 9.5 now. Yeah. I just got This is just one of those games. I just got a gut feel. And seeing him on it makes me all the more confident. Well, you've also noted that uh, you know, Jerome Boger has been favorable in his career to divisional home favorites. We all know referees are human, so they might be less apt to make a call with a you know a, a, a partisan crowd. <laughs> you know, they don't want someone throwing a bottle at them or something silly like that. So, look, that's just something. Again, these are just stats and data that have been compiled. And facts don't lie. Uh, Jerome Boger has been pretty favorable to home divisional dogs. Joe, let's get yeah. one more in here. Go ahead. You got something? Something more about that? Yeah, it's they're straight up, 18 and 3 straight up in 21 games. I mean, that's by far the best of any referee for divisional team, divisional favorites at, at home. Joe, let's get one more in here. It's a game a lot of folks have been talking about. The Steelers are 14-point underdogs to Buffalo. Interestingly enough, since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970, the Steelers are the only team to have never been a 14-point underdog. Ironically, in Super Bowl 30 versus Dallas, they were a 13.5-point underdog, ended up losing by 10, but I digress. So Buffalo has, you know, they're home against Pittsburgh. Talk about the referee angle in this game. Uh, referee for this one, John Hussey, and he's actually a great home field advantage referee, but that really wasn't my focus on this. Um, this was more to the over with the way he's calling the games this year. And I, I, I ran the numbers, and I looked, and then I ran them again. I'm like, okay, well, we've got 
something here, I think. Um, you look at his de- the defensive penalties he's calling. He's the number one for the aforementioned illegal contact. He's calling the most. He's calling the fifth most pass interference calls. He's calling the third most unnecessary roughness calls. So you've got three, three things there that are all on the defense. Okay? The, okay. The, the Steelers and the Bills, both top five unnecessary roughness. The Bills are number two defensive holding. And so you start adding all this stuff up, Bills are number one roughing the passer. So you've got a lot of penalties on the defense. Neither team commits a lot of offensive holding penalties, and Tussie doesn't call offensive holding penalties. So you've got kind of a good mix here of not a lot of penalties on the offense, but potentially a lot on the defense if they... If the offense throws it, well, we know Buffalo is going to throw it. Now it comes down to Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett. Are they going to throw it? And I just got a feeling they will. I think with Trubisky in here, I wouldn't have said take the over. But with Pickett in there, I think they're going to get a lot more vertical on the offensive side of things. And they have weapons. And Buffalo's secondary is banged up. You've got a referee who's going to give you a few free yards here and there. I think it adds up to the over. Yeah, I think there's going to see, I think we're going to see points. I, I I agree with you, Joel. Wish we had more time. Great stuff. Let's get you on again in a few weeks to follow the progress and the continued data based on last year's and prior years referee tendencies and how they continue to match up with this year. Thanks again, Joe. Thanks, Benny. Have a good one. Thanks. That's Joe Gibbs. Follow him on Twitter at NFL Ref Stats. Coming up, as the, is the same situation every week. There are college winners and college losers, and one of the bigger losers of last week, uh, here's a tease. It rhymes with Oklahoma. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first, let's go out to Kevin Figures with the latest. Hey, Kevin. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on the Bernie Frater Show, coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios, the Fox Sports Radio studios here in Las Vegas. We'll take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter, at... Bernie Fratto, you keep hearing me singing the praises of Canvas, Kansas. They're one of the top. Check that they're one of the they're one of five FBS teams that are five and zero this season against the spread and straight up. And by the way, the Jayhawks opened the season at plus, or they were three hundred to one to win the Big Twelve. That means a hundred dollars would bring you back thirty thousand dollars. You can hedge back. That's the longest of either any team by by a mile. Well, since they started five and zero, they're now down down to twelve to one to win the conference. Justifiably so, big test Saturday against TCU. But uh, but again, another big solid win last week. All right, Texas A&M. Later in the show, I'm going to dive into their Amplify NIL program and how those poor 
folks must be sick. Uh, three and two, they are by leaps and bounds. The Aggies, this is really not up for much debate. They're, they are most, they've got to be the most disappointing team in college football when you consider the concerted effort they made to put, you know, the best team money could buy. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, on the field. Look, they, their offense. This this is an offense that again has a lot of talent, a lot of athletes, but they couldn't score in a house of ill repute if they had a fistful of fifties. It's probably the worst power five offense when you consider what their expectations. They limp into their matchup against Alabama here just a few hours from now, and just just a few weeks ago, this was the most anticipated game of the regular season. Remember last May we we talked about it on the show. Nick Saban, they had the Big 12 media conference and such, and the diatribe. And remember, Texas A&M beat Alabama last year, and Alabama wants to avenge that. But now, Texas A&M's not only only 3-2, and two, they, lost to, they lose to Mississippi State last week. They don't just lose, they lose by 18. They give up 42 points, 42-24. to 24. The list of issues that Texas A&M has uh, that are, are, are pressing – and that that have managed to orchestrate an offense that looks like a drunk crossing an icy street. I gotta believe Jimbo Fisher at some point might might be might really become under fire. Now look, I don't I don't I'm not one of those people that goes on the air and calls for their job, right? But when you get you're getting ninety million or whatever, uh, and and he's now controlling the side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball. And so this is like a double whammy. They're not winning. They're not winning. They had the NIL backers, and now he decided to take control of the offense. Look, this is a man who's had success in the past. So you got to let the story play out. But man, at three and two, probably the only thing they could really do to salvage their season would be to beat Alabama. But they're twenty-four and a half point underdogs Saturday. And to give that some perspective, when the South Point here in Las Vegas puts out their look-ahead odds back in June, uh, they opened up at thirteen. Alabama opened up at thirteen and went to sixteen. So you could have gotten Alabama then, but would you really wanted to do that? Because we didn't know that Texas A&M would be this stinky. Another school, Missouri, now they, they made a hell of a run at Georgia last week. Why did they lose? Self-inflicted wounds. And they would not capitalize on the scoring opportunities they have. That cost Missouri a chance at shocking number one Georgia last week. Georgia was a huge favorite. Uh, Missouri was a, was ahead by as many as 10 points in the second half, but they were completely unable to hold off Stetson Bennett and in, in the second half and, and in the fourth quarter, and the Bulldogs pull out a 26-22 win. Again, this has become survive in advance. There's so much pressure to get back to the playoffs and so much pressure to win a national championship. At the end of the year, when it comes to wins, they don't have Kyle Hamid, just how many. But what could have been, Missouri's got to just be kicking themselves. They ended up kicking five field goals, including one from 22 yards. And then they had a third field goal for 49 yards. And, and they, they recovered a fumble at Georgia's 36, and, and he couldn't capitalize. Okay, I'm done with Missouri. Auburn. Now, if you're cynical, you would say Auburn's 21-17 loss at LSU is a good thing. You know how I feel. There's no such thing as a good loss. A good loss is like a good kidney stone. Brian Harson's a very good coach. I don't know what's going to happen at Auburn, but it feels like the way things are going, he's got one foot in the grave and the under a banana peel. We shall see how that develops. Wisconsin, they ended up firing their coach. Paul Christ had seven great years, but this year the Badgers couldn't run the ball. If the Badgers can't run the ball, that's about as bad as it gets. Okay, that's like saying Eddie Murphy can't make people laugh anymore. Look, 
it just keeps getting worse for Wisconsin. And and not only that, who they lose at home, they commit three turnovers, they lose thirty four to ten to their former coach, Brett Bielema. Onward and downward for Wisconsin. Minnesota, man, what happened, man? Minnesota had a great opportunity against Purdue to put a stronghold on the Big Ten West. Didn't happen. Tough, tough deal for P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. Finally, Kentucky, multiple missed opportunities against Ole Miss. That's going to probably cost Kentucky to miss out on a New Year's Six bowl game. And what helped fuel the Rebels win? Well, the Wildcats committed two turnovers in the red zone. That's just brutal. You're never going to like the way you lose, but when you lose that way, feeling you had a chance and knowing what's at stake, it makes it hurt that much more. But there's always ups and downs through college football through five games, and we'll get to some of that a little bit later. Heavy college football tonight. Coming up at the top of the hour, Mark Medina and Medina Magic. There's a lot of news in the NBA, so keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Manny Machado hit one of four home runs off of New York Mets ace Max Scherzer on Friday night as San Diego will take game one of their best-of-three wildcard playoff series by the score of 7-1. to one. As for the other three game ones on Friday, Seattle won its first playoff game in over 20 years. They shut out Toronto 4-0 behind seven and a third shutout innings from Luis Castillo. Phillies rallied for a 6-3 victory over St. Louis, this after trailing 2-0 entering the ninth inning. Shane Bieber outdueled Shane McClanahan as Cleveland beat Tampa Bay 2-1. In NFL news, the Chargers will be without receiver Keenan Allen for the fourth straight week as he nurses a hamstring injury. Lions running back DeAndre Swift out for their game against New England with a shoulder and ankle injury. Andy Dalton will start at quarterback for the Saints against Seattle. In college football, Colorado State made a field goal as time expired, picking up a 17-14 victory over Nevada. Nebraska beat Rutgers 14-13, wins for San Jose State and Houston. I'm Kevin Figures. The Bernie Frater Show rolls right on. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, I'm pleased to, and by the way, follow me on Twitter, at Bernie Frater. But at this, right now, I'm pleased to welcome in a new segment we're going to it's going to commence tonight, and uh, it's going to air biweekly because there's always information. And in the NBA, there's always news. There's always updates. And who better to have a gentleman who's been on the show many times, but he will now be part of the segment that we call Medina Magic. 
Well, there you go, Mark. You got your own open now, buddy. How are you? I'm ecstatic after that amazing intro. I mean, uh, we're not going to listen to haters. We know that we are talking in prime time, so I love it. <laughs> hey, by the way, real quickly, uh, and of course that has nothing to do with the Orlando Magic, when we talked on the phone Tuesday... Little did we know there would be news. We knew there would be. We said, you never know what's going to happen. And what is it about the name Jordan? Every time there's a punch in practice, it involves somebody named Jordan, the infamous Steve Kerr punch years ago, and then the other day with Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. Tell us what you know. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the TMZ video almost speaks for itself, where clearly, uh, you know, we don't know the audio of what led to it, but Draymond went up to Jordan Poole and just punched him. Um, You know, there's no excuse for it. And, you know, what's going to happen moving forward? I think it is very fluid, but... It's very clear the Warriors aren't going to suspend him for any games. If they do anything, it's all going to be internal. He already missed a practice on Thursday, but he's scheduled to participate in practice on Saturday, and I think there's a real good chance that he winds up talking to media afterwards. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that the Warriors wind up deliberating and think, you know what, we need to levy the suspension even more because even though they witnessed the incident uh, in real time, you know, it happened so quickly just like that that some people didn't even see the punch being thrown. They just heard all the commotion. But I think seeing that video, again, with the benefit of hindsight, I think that just reinforces how unnecessary this was. And even for Draymond Green, who can be emotional, has certainly had his shortcomings earlier in his career, uh, this is a real new low for him. I've got to ask you, the thing that pops into my mind is can they coexist throughout the season? I think it's a great question. I think that they can coexist. I, I think there's a few elements here in play. One, the Warriors have a really good culture to absorb this stuff. They have the talent. They have the continuity. They have the relationship equity. Draymond Green, even though he's clearly in the wrong here and he's been emotional at times, uh, I think Bob Myers said it best when he said Draymond knows when he crosses the line, he immediately takes ownership of it. So in his past experiences, he's cleared the air with teammates, coaches, and I think that he'll do the same with Jordan Poole. He already apologized to the team with Jordan Poole present on Thursday. I'm sure there'll be more conversations. But I think that that will only be good enough to repair the relationship from a working standpoint. So I think that they can coexist and still play basketball. The team can still be successful. I think the Warriors still can still, can still win the NBA championship. And I think in Jordan Poole's case, uh, for as a young guy as he is, I think that he is very uh, – you know, mature for his age, and one of the calling cards for him that makes him intriguing young talent is that, uh, you know, he gets it. But, you know, I I think there's going to be a lot of relationship repair work that Draymond has to do throughout this season, not just with Jordan Poole, but with the entire organization. Because the reality is this. I know Bob Myers stressed, uh, the other day that the contract negotiations won't be affected by this, but I can't help but think it will be somehow because, um, 
you know, clearly they want to get the Jordan Poole extensions done first, number one, because he's younger and he's eligible for it. But unlike in the past, Draymond's much older in his career. And while he showed as of early as last season during the playoffs that he's still valuable for their championship run, he's gained up in age, he's less durable, and there's questions about his effectiveness. So uh, he's, I think, really playing for his contract this season, and there's very little margin for error. Yeah, uh, Jason Smith brought up a great point on the on the show with Mike Harmon earlier. He he thinks this might be it. I, I don't know, and we all have heard that Draymond apologized to the team. I hope he apologized to Jordan Poole, but we'll see. He did. He did apologize to Jordan Poole, but he needs to keep apologizing and backing up his words with actions. Right, right. All right, let's move down the coast about 500 miles. Moles tell me that the Russell Westbrook situation in Los Angeles is basically a powder keg just waiting to happen, and it's going to come down to whether or not uh, that Westbrook can gel in Coach Darvinham's system. And if he doesn't, now it's easier said than done. They will at least try to trade him before the trade deadline. Can you validate any of that? Yeah, I can validate that surely the Lakers are going to try to trade Russell Westbrook leading to the trade deadline the same way that they tried to trade Russell Westbrook uh, this past summer. The reality, though, is that the market's depressed. You know, the Lakers aren't just going to trade their two first-round picks for any deal. They're not of the mind that they have to trade Russell Westbrook because of addition by subtraction. They're of the mind of they got to make a big deal that will put them in championship contention to help LeBron James's final years. Now, for what it's worth, I've been told and I've also observed that, you know, his attitude has been better than last season, yeah. how he's been at training camps better. You know, he's shown a little bit better chemistry on the court during these preseason games. But the reality of this, Bernie, is it doesn't really mean all that much at this point. Uh, the proof is going to be in the pudding when the actual games start in the regular season and when there's actual adversity that they face. So while the Lakers do have some relative optimism, and I use the word relative strongly, that Russ can improve, uh, assuming that he plays more than 21 games with LeBron James and Anthony Davis this season and that he'll buy in more into Darvin Ham's system. Uh, it's not a good fit, and to your point, it is a powder keg waiting to be exploded. And, and regardless of that, uh, the Lakers are going to do what's best for them on a basketball front. So even if Russ is having a better attitude change, they're still going to try to make deals. It's just a matter of they can find the right one. Let's stay with the Lakers. All of this, to me, is moot if Anthony Davis, who has been nicknamed by Charles Barkley as street clothes because of all the games he misses. So Davis comes out, plays Monday night against Sacramento, has a double-double, only plays about 16 minutes, looked pretty good. Then right on brand, Thursday, he scratched for, I understand, was lower back tightness. Listen, this just can't be good. What evidence do we have that Anthony Davis can play 50 games this year not a lot of evidence now you know i will just relay the information just for you know context purposes entering training camp anthony davis said he was fully healthy that lower back tightness is stuff that 
actually uh, was an issue leading into the preseason opener against the Kings, but he was considered good enough to go there. When he was sitting out, the Lakers stressed it's precautionary. But look, the reality is Anthony Davis has struggled to stay healthy ever since he's been on the Lakers and basically throughout his entire career. He stayed healthy his first season with the Lakers, partly because they had that long uh, shutdown, you know, because of COVID and then in the bubble. And so, you know, Anthony Davis might be saying, hey, he's doing all these things in the offseason to heal himself right. But I think that there are a lot of question marks, even internally within the Lakers organization, of is he doing the right things to maximize uh, his chances of staying healthy? It's not just a matter of, oh, injuries happen, that's the nature of sports. There is a true feeling that he hasn't been doing his part to maximize you know, a strong return whenever he does get hurt. And so he pledged that he did all the right things this offseason, but I'm with you. I'm in wait-and-see mode, and this goes back to my skepticism with the Lakers in general. As much as they are right that with Anthony Davis being hurt last season, that created more problems than even Russell Westbrook's fit. But this idea that they think that uh, things can be solved this season because AD could be healthy, that's fool's gold. I mean, that's the definition of insanity, right? Like trying to do the same thing after seeing the results not pan out. So I'm in wait-and-see mode with Anthony Davis just as much as I am with Russell Westbrook. Talking with Mark Medina, Medina Magic, NBA.com. Mark, I want to peel back the onion on the Anthony Davis situation just a bit further. He's 29 years old and over a possible 154 regular season games in the last two seasons. He's played 76. Now, here's where I throw a flag about Thursday night. If Anthony Davis was hurt badly enough that he needed to miss a game, why did the team rule him out initially? Why did they wait till the last second to make the change? That's where I threw a flag. Yeah, I think here's where the Lakers go and the, uh, their explanation. They said it's precautionary and it's it's a preseason game. So they were already preemptively going to sit him out the second night of back-to-back. It was the question of the first game. So, you know, their stance was if it's a regular season game, it's different. But the bottom line is, you know, because of Anthony Davis's injury history, that's still going to raise the antenna quite a bit. And, you know, as much as it is, oh, it's just preseason – I know before preseason play actually started, you know, the Lakers from top to bottom were saying, hey, we want to get these guys much more games than they played together during last preseason, which was only three, just with the idea of getting them a rhythm, getting them time, getting them some time to build on-court chemistry. So while I wouldn't raise the red flag completely, I would still raise a yellow flag because uh, this is a, a similar road that the Lakers have traveled before. Wrapping it up with uh, Mark Medina, NBA.com. Mark, let's go to Brooklyn. Ben Simmons. You know what? I like Ben. I had a long conversation with him five years ago at the NBA Summer League, but something is not good. Uh, He finally played in a real basketball game Monday night for the first time in over a year. But I'm hearing the vibes are already bad in Brooklyn. And if he doesn't pop with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and he, he, he doesn't fulfill a role that they got him for. By the way, he was booed Monday night on his own home floor against the Sixers, no less. None of this bodes well. How do they keep this glued together in Brooklyn? Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, they have the talent to keep it together because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons are all-stars. But to your point, uh, they've been unreliable as far as, you know, 
uh, numerous things. Kyrie Irving's availability. There's no vaccine mandate this year, but, you know, in previous years, he was uh, not available because of injuries or just personal absences that he uh, said had to do with mental health, only for him to be caught going to different parties, right? Um, Kevin Durant, he is a baller on the court, but post-Achilles, he struggled with staying healthy. And then Ben Simmons, you just never know what he's what you're going to get, whether there's another injury that comes up or if he's going to be passive on the court. With his preseason play, I was encouraged with some of his strengths. I mean, he showed that he can still be this amazing playmaker and passer. Uh, I thought his defense left a lot to be desired, and he was not really much of a scoring factor. You know, Steve Nash is saying he's not worried about him not shooting because they have so many other great scores with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. The reality is he needs to be aggressive. He needs to be willing to take a shot. Uh, he needs to be a scoring threat, and I'm skeptical that he can do those things. And, you know, Steve Nash's rhetoric almost reminded me of what Doc Rivers with the Sixers would say last year. He would always harp about, you know, uh, the people who would criticize Ben Simmons focusing too much on his weaknesses and not highlighting enough of his strengths. But later on the season, that came back to bite the Sixers uh, in the playoffs. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the same story happens again. So we'll have three developing stories, how the Golden State Warriors move forward with their little episode, Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis in Los Angeles, and, of course, the Brooklyn Nets. All right, good stuff, uh, Mark. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. You'll be here biweekly on the same midnight segment, and we'll look forward to it. I appreciate it. We'll have developments on those stories, and you know what? Knowing it's the NBA, I'm sure there'll be some new stories to talk about. Probably before the time we wake up tomorrow. Thanks so much, Mark. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Mark Medina, NBA.com. There is no shortage of storylines in the National Basketball Association, and the irony is a lot of them don't involve what's being taken place on the floor. But I'm looking forward. I'm enthusiastically looking forward to the upcoming NBA season, which which tips off a week from Tuesday, I believe. Coming up, there have been plenty of ups and downs in college football through five games. And I want to alert you to the 5-0 and Fat Cat Syndrome if you are planning on wagering on some games Saturday. I'm Bernie Fratto. We are coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, the Tyrac.com studios. So keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me from the world of football or fighting or even shows like HBO's Ballers. What you don't know is for my entire life, I have lived in something I refer to as the gray depression, anxiety. So now I'm coming out with a new podcast, Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer, where each week, while we talk about mental health, I hope to describe it. Give it words. Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas TireRack.com studios. Follow me on Twitter at Bernie Fratto. You know, at the start of the 2022 college football season, we all projected there would be three dominant top teams, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Put them in whatever order you want, but very few of us took exception with the fact that it was Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, and everybody else. They were so far ahead of the pack, it was really, it's you know, you, you, you could bet those three or take the field, and I don't know anybody wanted to take the field. But then the season started. In week one, Ohio State's offense, they kind of sputtered and stuttered a little bit through three quarters against Notre Dame. Then they did Ohio State just enough to come back and win. And I know they their stud receiver, Jackson Smith and Enigma, was hurt. He's still not back. But the Buckeyes looked human, didn't they? they not, I wouldn't say they looked vulnerable, but they looked human. Then in week two... Alabama needed some big-time late heroics from Bryce Young and their kicker, Will Reichard, and we'll never know what would have happened had Texas's quarterback, Quinn Ewers, gotten hurt because he was zinging it around a lot. So Bama escaped Texas with a 20-19 win. The game was at Texas, I get that, but Alabama was, I believe, a 20-21 point favorite. And, you know, Bama doesn't have Jerry Judy anymore, and, and they don't have Jamison Williams anymore. They don't, their receiving core looked, well, athletic but green, right? They, they, they did not look polished the way that you have come to see these Alabama first-round receivers look the last few years. And the defense looked sloppy. And you've probably forgotten already, but Alabama committed a bunch of penalties against Texas. And so all of a sudden, Alabama looked very human. Then last week, well, Georgia looked almost perfect for three weeks, but last week they laid the ball on the turf multiple times and they had to battle through a really competitive Kent State team, a game Kent State team. Okay, Georgia wins 39-22, to but they were a massive favorite. But then just this last week, Kirby Smart in, in the Georgia Bulldogs. They head to Missouri, and they were laying a ton of points. I want to say like 28. And they trailed for 45 minutes before, you know, they had to, they had no margin of error. Georgia had two late touchdown drives, TD drives, to give them a 26-22 win. Georgia looked very human. Now, as I've said, you've heard me say a thousand times, uh, the mark of a champion, this is this is a quote from Nolan Ryan. He talked about it as a, as a major league pitcher, but I think it applies to any sport, particularly college football, when you're dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old young men. The mark of a champion is when you win, even though you don't necessarily have your best stuff that day. 
It is surviving advanced now. So give those three teams credit. But what it has done, it's created some plot twists now. As, as you sit here five weeks into the season, still not much has really changed. You, you got Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia at the top of the food chain. Alabama has an 87% chance of getting to the college football playoff. Ohio State, a 78% chance. And Georgia, a 64% chance. And those odds were pretty much about the same in the preseason. Ohio State's were a little higher, but... Georgia's Georgia's odds have shrunk slightly, but you still got the same three hierarchy, but it starts to become, as my good friend Mark Lawrence would say, the nooses tightening syndrome, where you know you know you're a target, and every game is you're you're hunted, and it's it's not so easy to keep that up. As a matter of fact, uh, Mark also talks about a thing called the college football five and zero fat cat syndrome, and so you've got. Multiple teams Saturday that are five and zero, and when they're favorites and they're five and zero, a lot of times, first of all, you're going to pay a you're going to pay a premium. You're going to pay a, the, the fat cat tax because when you get to five and zero, you're kind of the half point of the season, just about. Now everybody knows who you are. You're not going to sneak up on everybody, and oftentimes these teams run into a typical bear trap on the road to the playoffs or trying to make the playoffs or trying not to screw things up. Maybe maybe they're a little banged up, a little hurt. This is confirmed because this, this we've got data going back to 1980. The teams, 5-0 teams who find themselves favored in these games are just 170 and 213 against the spread since 1980. That's 44%. Now, some of these 5-0 fat cats include Alabama, who's got a big game Saturday. Obviously, Texas A&M laying 24-and-a-half. Might be inclined to take a look at the 24-and-a-half. Clemson, Coastal Carolina, Georgia, Michigan heads to Indiana. They're laying a boatload, 21. Remember, this could be a potential sandwich game. Michigan coming off the, uh, the, the game at Iowa last week, which they won. But Michigan comes home next Saturday in what should be their toughest test of the year against a very game Penn State team with a veteran quarterback and athletes all over the field. So Mississippi, Ohio State, and USC, they all fit into this fat cat category. Better yet, bring them in as favorites of 15 or fewer points, and they're even worse. They're 91 and 131 against the spread overall. Uh, the Trojans of USC and, uh, and, and, and Coastal Carolina, they both fit into that category. They're favorites of less than 15 points. On the flip side, when you get to game six, they tend to fatten up as dogs. If any of these teams are underdogs, they decidedly do better. So keep an eye, though. Keep an eye on this. If you take on an opponent that scored 48 or more points in their last contest, then you have a better chance of covering. Ironically, that would put Kansas State in that category. This stuff is never easy, but this data goes back to 1980. It's something to very much keep an eye on. Coming up, bottom of the hour, let's recap the quadruple Header was that a word? The quadruple header that took place today as Major League Baseball postseason got under the way. This is the first year with the expanded 12-team postseason format. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, let's go back to Kevin Figures with the latest. All right, Bernie. Friday's four-game Major League Baseball wildcard slate was highlighted by a home run barrage from San Diego. The Padres roughing up Mets starter Max Scherzer for four home runs and seven earned runs as they would take Game One in New York. 
by the score of 7-1. Blue Jays starter Alec Manoa allowed just four earned runs in the entire month of September. On Friday, he gave up four runs in just over five innings of work. Seattle beating up Toronto 4-0 to take game one as well. Phillies are up 1-0 in their series against St. Louis after scoring six runs in the top of the ninth, notching a 6-3 victory. Shane Bieber, a dominant seven-plus inning start for Cleveland. They took game one over Tampa Bay by the score of 2-1. With the new format, of course, each wildcard series a best-of-three series, all three games being played at the home field of the higher seed. NFL News, Browns defensive end Miles Garrett will return to the lineup after missing last week's loss to Atlanta due to injuries he suffered in his car crash. Bears running back David Montgomery questionable against Minnesota with an ankle injury. College football, Colorado State picking up its first win of the season with a 17-14 victory over Nevada. Wins for Houston, Nebraska, and San Jose State. Back to Bernie Fratto. All right, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, Kevin. Uh, Today, the Major League Baseball postseason began in earnest. We had a a quadruple header, and right out of the gate, give it up to the Cleveland Guardians. I almost said Indians. I usually say Indians, but it is the Guardians. Give it up to uh, their pitcher, uh, the starting pitcher today for the Guardians. Shane, don't call me Justin Bieber. Only gives up one earned run in seven and two-thirds innings. Couple that with Jose Ramirez's two-run homer, and that's all they needed. By the way, an interesting thing, think about this. You've got a quadruple header tomorrow, and everyone is in an elimination game. The first round, best of three. Second round, best of five. Third round, league championship series, of course, best of seven. But they're all, hey, they're all elimination games Saturday and Sunday. They'll all be elimination games as well. Unless we get the same four teams win tomorrow, then there'll be no games on Sunday. But I don't, I don't expect that to happen. The St. Louis Cardinals have to be kicking themselves. They were, they were up two nothing entering the ninth inning. Philly rallies. The, the, the Phillies rally to score six runs in the ninth inning, and they hang on. They win six three. Cardinals get one more. The fans at Bush Stadium were stunned. By the way, the Seattle Mariners playing in their first postseason game since 2001. <laughs> you want to give this a, a little bit of perspective? The last time the Seattle Mariners made the playoffs, there were 5,273 blockbuster stores across the country. Now there's only one in Bend, Oregon. The last time the Seattle Mariners made the playoffs, their stud rookie, Julio Rodriguez, was one year old. The number one song, the last time the Seattle Mariners made the playoffs, Fallen by Alicia Keys. The number one movie was Shrek. And the Enron scandal was just beginning, by the way, the most popular show on TV. The last time the Seattle Mariners made the playoffs was Friends. So they play in their first postseason game since 2001. What do they do? They stroll into Toronto, shut the Blue Jays out, 4 nothing. Seven and a third scoreless innings from their starter, Luis Castillo. That is clutch. Meanwhile, the Mets, and I feel bad for Jason Smith because you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, and the Mets were good, and they were scuffled late down the season. So did Jacob DeGrom. Hey, I covered Max Scherzer in Detroit. I'm so glad I didn't bet the game because I thought it was too pricey. I would have bet the Mets. I, I don't know what happened. Max Scherzer gives up four home runs. He has truly been a stellar postseason performer. I saw it with my own eyes in Detroit for many years. But the game starts off. Josh Bell hits a two-run shot in the first inning. And guess what? It just got worse from there. The Padres blow it open in the fifth. Yerkson Profar hit a three-run dinger. Manny Machado hits a solo shot. It was 3 nothing at that point. Remember, Trent Grisham also went deep. Trent Grisham, 
he hit 184 during the regular season. But he comes up big today. The pull season, it's different season, right? So by the time the Potters blow it open in the fifth, they, they go from 3 nothing to 7 nothing. San Diego goes on to win 7-1. to Scherzer gives up four home runs for the first time ever in his postseason career. And seven runs, seven hits, and four. And I think it was four and a third, four and two-thirds innings in City Field. I, I did not see that coming. I didn't. Again, huge credit to the uh, Seattle Mariners. They marked their postseason return after a 21-year absence. Luis Castillo, seven and a third innings of shutout ball. Andres Munoz comes in, shuts him out. Cal Raleigh hits a two-run homer. The Mariners win their first postseason game since 2001. And the Blue Jays are, are going to be a tough out. But Seattle looks very game. Uh, Eugenio Suarez had two hits, two RBIs. Uh, the, the rookie I just mentioned was one years old. He was born in 2000, Julio Rodriguez. He got on base three times and scored twice. That's what you do. And uh, Luis Castillo was dominant. He scattered six singles, singles, struck out five. He didn't, he didn't walk anybody. Here's what's significant. Toronto was the second highest scoring team in the American League this year. The game I think that surprised me the most, I, I, the St. Louis Cardinals, it feels like they're one of these real developing stories, if you get my drift. The St. Louis culture is, the Cardinals culture is always top drawer. We're the best-run organizations in baseball. They've lived in the postseason. I covered the 2006 World Series when everybody thought Detroit would win, and it was against St. Louis, and the St. Louis Cardinals beat them in five, and Albert Pujols was, was tremendous. Albert Pujols is back. So you almost feel, could this be a storybook ending? Albert Pujols hits his 700th home run. He's back in St. Louis. Everything was going great until the ninth inning. Phillies come roaring back in the ninth inning. They sent 10 batters to the plate. See, that's the beauty of baseball. It's the beauty of baseball. I did a podcast the other day with Bill Krakenberger, Crackman. You'll hear him on Sunday mornings here on Fox Sports Radio. Him and John Orlando, the son of Tony Orlando. Tony Orlando and Don won, of course, the, the most renowned, storied careers. How many hits did he have? Ty Yellow Ribbon, you know them all. We had dinner Wednesday night. Why do I bring all this up? Because we talked about this series on the podcast. And now, could this be a storybook season for the Cardinals with, with Pools returning? But the beauty of baseball is they got to get you out 27 times. There's no time clock. You know, I, I love all sports, football, basketball, baseball, even soccer. But you put a goal on this side of the field, a goal on that side of the field, the time clock starts, and when the gun sounds and the game's over, you go home. Baseball is not finite. they got to get you out 27 times. That was proven today, earlier or yesterday, when the Phillies come roaring back in the ninth inning. They send 10 batters to the plate, no time clock. They score six runs off one of the best bullpens in baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals. Gene Segura hits a bases-loaded singer off Andre Pallante to give Philly a 3-2 lead. Then they tack on three more runs for a 6-2 lead. Here's, here's another fun fact for you. The St. Louis Cardinals were 74-3 and this season when they led after eight innings. 74-3. and They were poised to put away another close game today, but Philly wasn't happening. Not up in here. And here's another th thing today. Toronto started their ace, Alec Manoa. Stud. Okay? In the first inning this year, and I'm talking about the first inning. Did you talk about getting off to a good start? Alec Manoa has faced 133 batters in the first inning. He's only allowed one home run and four extra base hits. That's during the regular season. Today in the first inning, he faced six batters. One home run, two extra base hits. Very uncharacteristic start. Gives up three home runs, 
Uh, Julio Rodriguez singles. Suarez knocks him in with a double. Cal Raleigh goes yard. All of a sudden, it's 3-0 Mariners. Here we go. This is why they call it October baseball. By the way, give it up to Cardinals rookie Juan Yepes. With 12 regular season home runs, he smashes a go-ahead, pinch hit, two-run home run, and his very first postseason pitch he ever saw to give the Cardinals a 2-0 lead in the seventh inning. We thought they'd hold on. This is a franchise that's been around since 1900. That is the first ever pinch hit, go-ahead home run in uh, in, in post-season uh, history for the Cardinals. By the way, Zach Wheeler and Jose Quintana in that duel today in St. Louis did not allow a run on their first start. So game one ends up coming down uh, to the bullpens. Albert Pujols got a huge rousing cheer from Cardinals fans during pregame introductions. It's his first postseason game at Bush since game seven of the 2011 World Series in member. He left after that, and it was before his first at bat. He got a massive standing ovation. Great, great fans in St. Louis. Great story. That series, I'm really curious. How many of the four games tomorrow make it to Sunday? Probably not all four of them, but I hope all four of them do. Uh, Give it up to Shane Bieber. I glossed over that. He's he's your Cleveland Guardians age. A clutch home run for Jose Ramirez. Tampa Bay is, a, is is one of the great teams in that they know how to pressure the defense. They'll steal a base. They'll hit and run. They'll bunt. They'll get your ground ball to the right side. And Bieber was just masterful, masterful. He only threw 99 pitches, got the victory. Uh, and he is he's a pretty good postseason pitcher because two years ago, it was the only other time he had a postseason appearance. He allowed just three hits. Jose Ramirez, again, puts the Guardians ahead. Uh, I really think that we're, you're going to see a lot more of the game's young stars showing up and showing out. Uh, and and what's interesting is uh, you see things that you don't normally see, right? Uh, we, we, we talked about Oscar Gonzalez. What's his walk-up music? SpongeBob SquarePants. Here's a kid who made his Major League debut May 26th, and his walk-up song as he's about to hit is SpongeBob SquarePants. And he was asked about it by a reporter. He says he does it because the kids love it, and this is a kid's game. And he's had it since AAA. So the one main storyline is, is it possible that Albert Pujols, who's 42 and most likely playing in the final season of his 22-year career, will he go out on top? And, and, and when, the, when the team's lined up for introductions, he got the longest ovation. He comes to the plate the first time. He got another one. Fans are grabbing their cell phones or taking pictures. They're going to do it at the same time every time he comes up to bat. And that's why Albert Pujols says he keeps coming back because he's a little kid inside playing a little kid's game. And here we go. Saturday, a few hours from now, it starts up again, another quadruple header. And, yes, they are all, they are all, Elimination games. Coming up, I promised earlier in the show I'd lay it out, the Texas A&M NIL program called Amplify. When you hear the links they went to, the coordinated targeted effort that they participated in, the money they raised to get this recruiting class, and they're 3-2, and two, you'd be gnashing your teeth as well. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Tyrock.com studios here in Las Vegas. This is Bernie Frado on the Bernie Frado Show. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. 
like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Top of the hour, we're going to dive in. My favorite six college games from a fan standpoint on Saturday first. Shout out to my Fox Sports Radio teammate, VJ Husky. Heard the Blockbuster video reference text me a classic picture of the old advertisement, rent six videos, get the seven free. <laughs> that is beautiful. I mean, it's been forever since I walked into a Blockbuster, but tell me you didn't get a little jacked up when you were going there. You know, you pick out your candy, your popcorn, you're going through your movies. Maybe your your movie wasn't in that day, so you'd you'd wait for it to come back or get on a waiting list. You'd get two more movies. By the way, catch VJ and Martin Weiss, 4 p.m. Pacific, with their show on Saturdays, 4 to 7. Those two guys are lighting it up. All right. Texas A&M is not lighting it up. Uh, listen, I... I Sometimes things, the best laid plans don't work. Uh, the Etzel, right? I mean, but Texas A&M, when, it, when, when the, NI, the whole NIL concept was created, it became something far beyond right out of the gate than any of us ever thought it would. I thought it was going to be, you know, star quarterback shows up at the car, college, the car dealership on Saturday, you give him a thousand bucks, he kisses babies and shakes hands and says hello, right? No. Texas A&M created a program called Amplify, and it's not just a it's not just you know a vehicle to line players, student athletes' pockets. They created what they believe is the best in class education, uh, providing resources related to personal branding, networking, finance, media training, preparing you to go on for life, which is college is supposed to do. But here's what's really interesting: Texas A&M got the number one recruiting class. You heard Nick Saban talking about it last man. That's why we thought Saturday's game would be so so sensational. College game day is not even going there. It's been a disappointment for Texas A&M. How do they get the number one recruiting class? Because their boosters and the, the school's backers coordinated in a, a very expensive, comprehensive, targeted, coordinated effort among their donors. And they raised $30 million, and they were able to, they were able to land six five-star recruits, 19 four-star recruits, three three-star recruits, and that's that's a pretty good haul. And I think on the roster, not just from last year, they have a total of 56, 56 players on their roster. If, if, if my data is correct, 56 players on their roster that are at least three-star. But here's where I really tip my cap, and I talked about this last summer, because what Texas A&M did was create an entire curriculum. 
You go to Texas A&M, you benefit financially from their NIL program, but you're also there to get an education. And you're there to be prepared to navigate the world in 2022. So as part of the NIL program that Texas A&M called Amplify, they established various specific programs, including topics like building your own digital brand. You know how important it is these days to be able to do that? Financial workshops. I've got a college degree. I don't really recall colleges teaching you how to manage money or balance a checkbook or get a job. Effective networking. I didn't learn that in college. You had to learn it on my own. So building your digital brand, financial workshops, effective networking, teaching young student athletes how to evaluate job opportunities, and when those opportunities come along, how to negotiate offers. The, the NIL Amplify program puts their athletes, their student athletes, through mock job interviews. They introduce them to the Aggie Network and the Letterman's Association. We all know how powerful alumni associations are at various universities and institutions. Social media audit analysis. So perhaps you've got an Instagram account, you've got a Twitter account, you've got a Facebook account. They'll audit it, they'll analyze it, and make sure you're not doing anything to get yourself in trouble, putting your best foot forward. Uh, best practices. Creating custom content for your brand, whatever your brand is. It, and these days, human beings, it seems like most of us have become a, a, a brand of sorts, regardless of what you do for a living. Your persona, your demeanor, your ability to perform, your, your interactions, your, your, your interpersonal relationships. That's how you brand yourself. So these are what these recruits got, and that's how they got the number one recruiting class. It didn't hurt that these boosters and donors coordinated this incredible, targeted, you know, expensive effort with $30 million in the kitty to land 19 four-star, six five-star, and three three-star recruits, and the number one linebacker, the number one defensive lineman, and the number two wide receiver in all of college football coming out of high school. And what's it gotten them? A three and two record. Not good. Coming up, we'll take a look at the six games that get my most attention on Saturday. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Radio. Friday was day one of the Major League Baseball playoffs. Four game ones in the best of three wildcard series. The nightcap saw the Padres blast four home runs off of Max Scherzer. The Mets ace allowed a total of seven earned runs in just over four innings of work. As San Diego took game one by the score of seven to one, Luis Castillo pitched seven hitless innings, leading Seattle to a 4 nothing victory over Alec Manoa and the Blue Jays. Philadelphia rallied for six runs in the top of the ninth to stun the Cardinals 6-3. to Jose Ramirez a two-run home run leading Cleveland to a 2-1 victory over Tampa Bay. In college football, Clayton Toon had three touchdown passes, two of them in the final two minutes of the game, as Houston stormed back to beat Memphis 33-32. Nebraska overcame a 13-0 halftime deficit to beat Rutgers 14-13. San Jose State hammered UNLV 40-7. Colorado State made a 43-yard field goal as time expired to pick up its first win of the season, with final score was 17-14 as they defeated Nevada. Well, that's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show rolls right along. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. Tyrac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. By the way, coming up in about 15 minutes, 
I got to tell you about this dude, Victor Wimbanyama. Yeah, Wimbanyama. He's seven foot four. He'll be the number one pick in the NBA draft next year. I'm kind of mad at myself because his his French team played the G League team night here, about two miles from where I live, twice this past week. And from what I understand, you, there's there's no there's almost no way to describe him. Okay, um, he's like Kevin Durant deluxe. Now, he hasn't done the things that Kevin Durant has done in the NBA, but and, and I understand he's really funny too. Uh, the um, the, uh, the the team he played against, uh, the G League Ignite, here based here in Henderson, Nevada. Uh, they have a player, Scoot Henderson, who's pretty damn good himself, who might be the number two pick. And I guess Scoot Henderson walked up to Victor Wembanyama after the game and asked him, by the way, Tuesday night, Wembanyama on oh, nothing, 37 points, 7-11 from behind the arc, four rebounds, five blocks, and he brings the ball up the court like a guard, and he's seven foot four. And and he's, don't compare him to Chet Holmgren. Much bigger frame, bigger and stronger, uh, all that stuff. So Scoot Henderson went up to him and said, "Hey, do you think I could be the number one pick next year?" And and Wimbanyana said, "Yeah, if I was never born." <laughs> all right, you gotta. We'll talk about it a little later. All right. Not all the games that I'm always, always interested uh, are just the, you know, the, the top 25 marquee games. Sure, I'm interested in Alabama and Texas A&M. I want to see what happens. I'm sure I'm interested in Michigan Indiana. Uh, but there are, are, there are other games, though, that have really caught my attention because of the potential storylines. You know, Kansas, every week I sign on, I want them to continue to be undefeated. Dick Schaap always taught me to root for the story, and I do. What a story, Lance Leipold. And now there's rumors. What well, you know? Will he go to Wisconsin? Uh, will they be off for the job? He spent. He won seven national championship with Wisconsin Whitewater. Now Kansas is spending three hundred million dollars to shore up all their facilities and everything. So they're back this week, but they're in unfamiliar territory. It's a crazy start to the season when game day is in Lawrence, Kansas, instead of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And TCU is ranked, so is Kansas. But this is going to be a. This is going to be a tough one. Uh, you know, if you've bet Kansas, if you've backed them, they've covered all five of their games. And they've won them all, too, by the way. And so the question is, can the winning streak continue Saturday? Going to be tough against Sonny Dykes and that TCU offense. It just is. As good as the Jayhawks are, TCU, this will be the Kansas's biggest test. And that's what I want to see. That's why I'm curious in the game. What will be the storyline? TCU is by far the most complete team Kansas will have faced. And it just feels like TCU, I don't think they'll do this, but they have the potential to overwhelm Kansas. Maybe not for the whole 60 minutes. But I don't think they will overwhelm Kansas to the point where Kansas wouldn't be able to cover that touchdown. All right? Kansas proved pretty resilient last week against Iowa State. They had their worst offensive performance of the year, but their defense came through. So they managed to pull out the W. That's an encouraging sign because obviously not only is football played in three phases, but for Kansas to have a shot to win the game outright. Um, they're going to need to get some defensive stops. The good news is for Kansas, while TCU will be the most prolific offense they face this year and again their most complete team in all three phases 
The truth of the matter is TCU is is not great defensively, and they've given up a ton of you know long plays, explosive plays this year. So if you're TCU, you got to be on your p's and q's because Kansas has a good offense. The key is there's probably going to be a lot of points. The total is 64 and a half. It feels like it gets into the high 60s. Um, I, I don't. I'm not going to predict the winner, but if if I've got a gun to my head, it feels like it's a it, 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 it's a it's a 34th 33 game. I think Kansas. I think Kansas stays inside the seven. I do, but both both teams I think can get in the 30s. And if you get into a shootout with a team like TCU, they're a little bit more equipped. So Kansas has a little bit better defense. Again, can Lance Leipold and the and the Jayhawks stay five be six and zero? Love nothing better than to sign on Saturday night and say they did it again. All right, Chip Kelly. UCLA is ranked 18th. Now their home uh, issue is about to really get real. They're hosting number 11 Utah. Boy, you just got to believe. What would Utah, what would the conversation be around Utah had they not lost that game Labor Day weekend at Florida in the last minute? So UCLA has a quarterback named Dorian Thompson Robinson. He played here at Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. He was pretty impressive last week against Washington. And... I think what has happened as a result of that is you might be paying a little bit of UCLA tax. Now, Utah is laying three and a half on the road at the Rose Bowl. And there are questions. You, you, you know, don't take anything away from the Bruins. They are 5-0. and But you could make the argument they've played a, fair, a fairly soft schedule to a point. However, that offensive, you know, explosion against Washington last week uh, – was I thought pretty impressive, but not everybody's convinced because here's why: the Huskies also move the ball very well against UCLA defense. The problem is Huskies defense was not great, and 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 UCLA's defense was not great. Utah brings a little di- different situation, which brings me to my point. Utah's defense ranks 13th nationally in defensive success rate. 15th in points allowed per drive and 4th in EPA, which means expected points added per snap. That's a good defense. If you're a UCLA fan, this might worry you. They don't get to the quarterback. They don't They don't get to the quarterback well. Meanwhile, Utah gets to the quarterback very well. And in advanced metrics, Dorian Thompson-Robinson has issues when he's pressured. I feel like not only does Utah win that game, they might bring UCLA back down to earth again. A game, it's not a game I'm going to be involved in. The total is 59. I think it can get over that number. Both offenses should score, but Utah has the better defense. Um, I I expect you know Cinderella to strike midnight for UCLA on Saturday. We'll see. Look at Purdue. They pick up a nice 2010 upset over Minnesota last week as a sizable dog. And that's boosted their street cred. But here's the problem. What happens to people? Uh, betters typically, they have, a, they, they have a tendency to overreact a little bit too much to what they saw last week. Now, if you saw this game, and I watched as much of it as I could, because I am a big P.J. Fleck fan, and again, Minnesota is one of those programs. They haven't done much since the 50s. They've snuck through here and there. I remember in 04 
when they came into Michigan State, I was, you know, was in the media in Michigan then. They had Lawrence Maroney and, and Marion Barber. They were a machine. And Michigan State stuffed them. I, whenever it matters, Minnesota can't get, quite get over the hump. But here's the deal. I'm getting off on a tangent. Again, you want to watch the storyline between Purdue and Maryland because if you saw the game last week, give it up. Maryland wins 20-10. to 10. They upset Minnesota as a dog. But if you watch the game, Minnesota routinely drove the ball into Purdue territory. They crossed mid- midfield six times, got into the red zone a ton, came away with only a field goal and a touchdown. They had a missed field goal and three interceptions. They drove the ball and turned it over three times, missed a field goal, and only got one touchdown. Purdue's defense deserves a lot of credit, and Minnesota, remember, was also without their star running back, Muhammad Ibrahim. And Purdue only got 20 points. Their offense was no great shakes last week against, uh, against Minnesota. And so if Purdue has that kind of performance against a Maryland team who can score, you saw what Maryland did at Michigan. I lo- I, I'm sure they'd love to have that game back, the opening kickoff off the poor kid's helmet. It was 7 nothing before the seats were warm. A couple of key turnovers. Michigan had the phantom interception. Sorry, it was a phantom interception. Maryland can ball. And it's a good matchup Saturday because Purdue's overall defensive numbers are pretty solid. But here comes the big butt, Pee Wee. The Boilermakers have not faced a team like Maryland in terms of offensive talent. The Terps have NFL talent at the receiver position. I like Tagualoa's brother. He's efficient in the passing game. Maryland ranks 28th nationally in success rate on offense. And they are scoring a little over three points per possession. Again, none of one of these crazy advanced metrics that will make your teeth itch. But that's 27th in the country. That includes 27 points and 400 yards of offense on the road at Michigan. So if Maryland can do that on the road against Michigan, the truth of the matter is how are they not going to put up less than how are they going to put up less than 30 points against Purdue? Maryland's got a short number here. Taking a hard look at Maryland minus three against Purdue. The game's at Maryland. Feels like Maryland can win and and and, and cover that number. Finally, Virginia Tech at Pitt. A great matchup you have here. In one corner, you've got a Virginia Tech team that cannot score. Cannot score with a fistful of 50s and a house of will repute. They just can't score. And the Hokies, they only scored 10 points against the North Carolina defense that allows 30 points to everybody. They allow 30 points to air. Now you got Pitt. They're a team coached by Pat Narduzzi, who is made his bones when he created the no-fly zone at Michigan State. He was a great defensive coach. The Panthers won the ACC last year. They got to the Peach Bowl. And uh, and he lost his offensive coordinator, who, who left for Nebraska. But I would say this. Pitt probably wishes they could throw the ball a little better than they did. They lose to a bad Georgia Tech team, 26-21. But, see, that's where you have a situation again where you overreact to what you saw last do you really think Pittsburgh will be upset for the second straight week? Doubtful. Doubtful. Pitt is laying 14 and a half. I don't know that they cover that number. That's a big number. But I don't think Pitt's going to lose. And neither team's going to score a lot. So what's the moral here? You might want to look at the dog and the under because neither one of these teams are prolific offensively. Army at Wake Forest, this should be a beauty. You remember they had that game two or three years ago? I think it was like 
68-64 or 72-68. I'd have to look it up. I should have looked it up. That's shame on me. Maybe I will in a minute. Um, and when I heard the score, my jokingly said, did anybody fall out? Uh, Kevin might have been doing the updates with me that night. But I, I, look, they remembered. Just remember, these two teams, when they get together, they both score. It's just a score fest. Last year, there were 21 shared possessions, not including the possessions at the end of each half, and 18 of men in touchdown. Oh, that I remember now. The final score that night was 70-56 to 56 Wake. And there, there was even a defensive touchdown and a pick six, and there was also a, a, a turnover on downs and a punt. That's it. One. Every, every, every time both offenses scored, it was 70-56. to 56. Probably not going to be as high scoring this year, but I don't think Wake Forest is going to have an easy time stopping Army. No one can stop that option. Even Michigan couldn't a couple years ago. Army rushed for 416 yards last year against Wake Forest. Can you imagine that? 416 yards on the ground. And, and Wake this year defensively is a little better, but not that much better. The problem is Army will not be able to stop Sam Hartman from throwing it all over the lot. But if you're telling me the Deeks are going to cover 17 against Army, it is at home. Oh, man, Army plus 17 is delicious. That that might be one of the best plays of the day. You're still looking at a, at a game, you know, what, what, do you, what do you want to call it? 49 to 49 to 35, let's call it, or 49 to 38, but that's less than 17 points. I will probably fire on Army Saturday. Uh, one, let's sneak in one more here. Florida State at North Carolina State. I liked the North Carolina State plus 11 points last week. They lost by 10. Um, and you, they're good. They passed. They, they, they're 4-1. and one. They're ranked 14th in the country. There are some people that don't feel they're worthy of their number 14 ranking or worthy of laying 3.5 points against Florida State. Now, the thing about North Carolina, even though they pass the ball, Devin Larry's, you know, when they they don't really have a lot of explosive playmakers, and he, he's a good quarterback, but he's not a, you know, eye-popping quarterback. Florida State has a team that's flawed, but see, they're very explosive off athletically, and offensively, they rank eighth nationally and 16th in EPA per snap. What this basically means is. Florida can not only put points on the board, they can put points on the board in a hurry. Here's a case. You grab Florida State in the three and a half points, I don't think you're going to need them. I feel like Florida State wins that game outright. Now, why do I like those six games? Because they all have storylines, and they're going to define whether it's Wake Forest Army, Florida State, who kind of shocked everybody at the beginning of the year, and they've been pretty good, uh, Purdue and Maryland, and, of course, Utah, UCLA, Kansas, who have been raving about all year, these are going to be defining games in Week Six, and they're going to be they're going to be very fun to watch. So, those are the games, the six games tomorrow for me that will have the greatest storylines. Do you really expect Ohio State to lose, Alabama to lose, Georgia to lose? Do you really expect Michigan to get tripped up at Indiana? No, I don't. No, I don't. But these these games I just mentioned, they all in their own way are going to bring perhaps a twist and a turn that will help define who these programs are at this point in the 22 season as we march through October and head towards November. Uh, Football fans, I want to remind you, 
Be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM, every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio in the iHeartRadio app, presented by BetMGM. Coming up, by the way, bottom of the hour after Kevin's update of Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. Women today played a friendly loss to England. Pretty good game. Hey, we are seven weeks away from World Cup, the Men's World Cup, as the U.S. will open up against England. There's always news in the world of soccer. We'll have that at the bottom of the hour. Coming up, we've got a potpourri of subjects from the NFL, the NBA, college football, and even Major League Baseball. Little fun facts that you might want to impress your friends with tomorrow night and you're on your third or fourth cream de menthe. I'm Bernie Frattle. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Bernie Frattle on the Bernie Frattle Show on Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on the Bernie Frato Show, Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. Coming up bottom of the hour, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. After Kevin Figures update, but a little house cleaning, catch you up on some things. Uh, tomorrow night, I'm going to talk a little bit more uh, on Tua. You'll catch me 11, to 3, 11 p.m. Pacific to 3 a.m. Saturday night. That's mostly an NFL extravaganza show. But Teddy Bridgewater takes over for two in Miami, at least in the near term. You may not know this, and I've always been a Teddy Bridgewater fan, and I think he's highly capable. In his career, 43-21 and 21 against the spread, including 24-6 and six against the number on the road. Miami's going to be okay. Teddy Bridgewater knows what he's doing. You may not remember three years ago, uh, when Drew Brees went down, he ran into Aaron Donald and, and, and broke his thumb. Teddy B had to start the next five games. The team was in Seattle on the road. He got the team together. He goes, guys, I'm not Drew Brees, but if you get behind me, get on my back, we're going we're gonna to be okay. He went 5-0. and The Saints ended up 13-3 and that year and made the playoffs. So Miami's off to a good start. They got plenty of weapons, and uh, – I'm not sure when two will be back. Could be a couple weeks, could be three weeks. Uh, given the new protocols and, and the serious nature with what we all saw, and I'm going to talk about it tomorrow night or Saturday on my Saturday night show, 
the tale of two, uh, some final thoughts. I think you deserve better, but you're in good hands with Teddy Bridgewater. You may have noticed the Steelers are a 14-point underdog to Buffalo Sunday. Interestingly enough, since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970, the Steelers are the only team in the National Football League to have never been a 14-point underdog during the regular season or in the postseason for that matter. Ironically, in Super Bowl 30 versus Dallas, the Steelers are actually a 13.5 13.5-point underdog. They lost 27 to 17, so they covered. All right, so we've talked about Alabama, Texas A&M. The, the, clearly the game doesn't have anywhere near the luster we thought it would have, and the whole diatribe happened last May. Nick Saban, if you're scoring at home, and I hope you are, Nick Saban is 4-0 lifetime versus Jimbo Fisher, and against all his former assistants, cumulatively, Nick Saban is 26-2 straight up, 16-12 against the spread, including 19-1 outright in games in which Nick Saban brings an undefeated team into the contest. The only loss Nick Saban had last year, though, was against Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. By the way, you may have heard earlier in the week the Phoenix Suns lost to the Adelaide 36ers of the Australian NBL and uh, right here in Phoenix, uh, and uh, and they lost 134-124 in preseason action. I, now, this wasn't booked in Vegas, but in faraway places, the 36ers were 29.5-point underdogs. We've got another game in London Sunday morning. This is what is interesting about this game. You may not know this. After 31 international series games in London, for the first time in NFL history, Sunday's contest will feature a game where both teams actually have a winning record. The Green Bay Packers take on the New York Giants. Imagine that. The first time both teams have had a winning record. Finally, have one of the fun with numbers. Aaron Judge finally hit his 62nd home run. Well, in 1961, Roger Maris hit 61 home runs. 61 years later, in 2022... Aaron Judge hit 61 home runs. Then it took 22 more bats in the year 2022 before Aaron Judge hit home run number 62. What does that all mean, Pee Wee? I don't know. Ask the Denver Broncos. Their offense has left the building. The Denver fans have left the building. The Denver season has left the building. The Broncos and Chiefs, well, you saw what happened there. Uh, Look, I would just say this. If you were holding a ticket, prop bets, 125 to 1, there would be no touchdown scored Thursday night. It cashed. So $50 brought you back, 650 And I misspoke. The Broncos played the Colts, who now beat the who, by the way, beat the Chiefs. But as I said, I'd like to thank the Denver Broncos for participating in the 2022 NFL season. I don't think they get it figured out. But a guy who's always got it figured out. Let's go to Kevin Figures with the latest. All right, we will start with Major League Baseball. Of course, Friday, day one of the baseball playoffs. Four game ones in the best of three wild card series. The nightcap saw the Padres blast four home runs off of Max Scherzer. The Mets ace allowing a total of seven earned runs. After pitching just four innings, San Diego took game one by the score of 7-1. to one. Luis Castillo, seven hitless innings, leading Seattle to a 4-0 victory over Alec Manoa and the Toronto Blue Jays. Philadelphia rallying for six runs in the top of the ninth. They stunned the Cardinals 6-3. Jose Ramirez, a two-run blast to lead Cleveland to a 2-1 victory over Tampa. In the NFL, Detroit will be without running back DeAndre Swift against New England as he nurses a shoulder injury. Patriots likely to start Bailey Zappi at quarterback as Mac Jones is doubtful with an ankle injury. 
injury. Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts out with a hamstring injury against Tampa Bay. College football, Houston outscored Memphis 26-12 in the fourth quarter. They pick up a 33-32 victory. Colorado State made a field goal as time expired to beat Nevada 17-14 for their first victory of the season. We also had victories for Nebraska and San Jose State. Back to Bernie Fratto. All right, great job tonight, Kevin, as always. Thank you, Thanks so much, buddy. You got it. All right. This time every week, we do it on my Friday night show. We do it on my Saturday show, the final half hour. Remember, seven weeks from Friday, six weeks from next Friday, World Cup, United States versus England. But it's not just the fact that it's a World Cup here. There's always news in the world of soccer, whether it be the Champions League, whether it be MLS, the Premier League, and who's got a for us, Chris Perfett. It's time for Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The greatest goals. The thrilling finishes. The international drama. Chicharito, Chicharito, Chicharito. Ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado. It's all here in this report from the world of soccer. We do have one World Cup note to get to in regards to one of our two subjects here tonight on the world of soccer. But first, I want to... So this is a world of soccer we're going to focus on all-time greats, past, present, and potentially future here. To start, as we come out of the Champions League here, there are, I believe, five clubs, Bernie, that have nine points, indicating a perfect three wins in Champions League. Napoli, who we've talked about before. Uh-huh. Club Bruges, who is playing in a, uh, admittedly, a weak division. Bayern Munich, duh, expect them every year. Real Madrid, the reigning champions. But then the team we're going to focus in on, Manchester City, those guys. But Manchester City has probably turned the world on its head with the unveiling and the arrival. And he's been arriving for a minute. But Erling Holland, Norwegian player mm. who has been just absolutely on fire, last Sunday was his third consecutive hat trick in the Premier League. And it came against Manchester United. His previous two, the weeks prior against Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest, hat trick three goals in each of those games. It's a lot more impressive in soccer than it is in, say, Incredible. I don't know, hockey. It's it's unbelievable. He's been on an unreal clip. He's setting to break plenty of records across both the Champions League and the Premier League. So he's, he's someone who is definitely worth your while right now. I think the thing that's really been impressive to me in Holland is a lot that's come out about how well he's kind of planned his move around Europe. He's a Norwegian-born player. He, however, he's, 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 he's turned down contracts, Bernie, that would have been a lot of money, but he just wants to make sure he goes to the right place. First it was Mold, then Salzburg. Eventually he gets the Borussia Dortmund. And then over the summer, the $51 million transfer from Dortmund to Manchester City. And, you know, he and his father have both said that they've, you know, planned this, this very carefully across where he's going to move across Europe. He's not just going to go and chase the money, but he's going to be chasing for basically his legacy. And with City, one of the strongest clubs in the world, he seems on pace for that. He could be the, he could, he's threatening to break records here to become the fastest player to 100 oh. Premier League goals. That would Whoa. go back to uh, Scherer. I believe in the in the 90s from the Blackburn Rovers, he could be the he is already the fastest player to score three Premier League hat tricks, and like look, he's on goals for most he's on record for most goals this season. He's had 19 goals and 12 appearances. 12, for, right? 
It's right. unbelievable what Holland has been doing, but he's already putting himself in the hallowed company of this game's greatest. Yeah, I, I've seen him. He looks like a little kid. His face looks like he's 11 <laughs> years old. He's just a skinny little kid. He's like, he's like Gretzky, right? 19 goals in 12 games. In soccer, that's basically unheard of. But now, if I'm not mistaken, Man City plays Southampton later today, don't they? They do, Bernie. So maybe hat trick number four coming up here. <laughs> he's he's honestly the hottest thing to come out of to come out of Norway since black metal. <laughs> and, and a lot and a lot prettier to look at, I'm sure. But that's one goat out of the way because. I have I have no doubt in my mind Holland, unless something changes right now, is on his way to probably being one of the greatest playing this game right now, and I don't think I'm being hyperbolic. I could be. I like being hyperbolic. But let's talk about someone who is one of the greatest, who, and that one's unquestioned. Because I've got multiple notes here about Lionel Messi. We should start with the really... Probably the number one of all time. You could make the case, right? I think he's surpassed. I, I think he's passed Ronaldo. I think I've I, I give the edge to him over Ronaldo. It's him versus Ronaldo at this point, and I give it to Messi. But the import, one quick World Cup note before we get to, to the larger rumors is that Messi did send a shock through the world this this week when he did say that this World Cup here coming up in Qatar for World Cup 2022 will be his last World Cup representing right. Argentina. Right. So one last ride for Argentina, who, as great as Messi is, he's he doesn't have a World Cup, and that was always something that would that rode him for his entire career, being in the shadow of Maradona and everything. That Argentina under Messi, and look, it's not it, it's not completely Messi's fault. He just hasn't had a lot of support on Argentina. He seems to be the greatest player they've ever had, and the rest of the team around him at times can be weak. So we'll see. But I, they've had plenty of success. Everything but World Cup. Yes, they. Seven they are, time Ballon d'Or winner won the Copa, the Copa, Copa America, America. Yes, that 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 is, I think, the thing that probably put him over the top. He's got fifty less goals than Ronaldo, but he's played two hundred less games. I'll be honest. I think this current stint with uh, Manchester United is probably hurting Ronaldo in my eyes more than anything. But speaking of club stints for Messi, I said there was more rumors on the horizon. And the great Fabrizio Romano, who is the the creme de la creme of insiders among the world of soccer, is reporting that Barcelona is very interested to get Lionel Messi back. For those who don't remember, Lionel Messi did leave Barcelona in, I wouldn't call it an acrimonious breakup, Bernie. I think it was unfortunate. Barcelona at the time, coming out of the COVID years, was under a lot of economic pressure, and they simply just didn't have the money to pay Messi's contract. And Messi was owed a lot of money on his contract, and they literally did not have the money to pay him. So they had to let they had to cut him loose. And in comes Paris Saint Germain, the great club of of France of League One, and they picked up Lionel Messi, and they have been trying to. Hoping with Nessie and Neymar and all their other super weapons to get over the hump and get their Champions League title. It hasn't happened yet. A very good chance this year. But it opens up some interesting doors for Messi here as we look towards uh, you know, what could happen after this year because he will be a free agent this coming year. Right. And Paris Saint-Germain definitely absolutely want him back. They, they, they stated it out there. They love what he brings to the club. They want him back. But Barcelona, this is like no matter what club you associate 
with Lionel Messi. It is Barcelona at the end of the day. And their president, Joan Laporta, if he doesn't get Messi back, he's always going to be known as the Barcelona president that let Lionel Messi go. So it's a bit of pride for them. And I think the big question is, does Lionel, does Lionel Messi want to go back to Barcelona? It's not like, again, the breakup wasn't acrimonious. No, but it, it, he not, seems not, to like not, PSG a lot too. Barcelona still has financial problems, but they've had some players that have taken some pay cuts. And I think what they can do, it's more, it, it, it's, it's, it's not just a sentimental return because Messi no, Barcelona's still plays competing. 35 years old, but they want him back badly. That's that's call a spade a spade. Yeah, yeah, and and Barcelona like has gone on the offensive for all of their, you know, they they they're right now. I believe they're competing. I think second in La Liga. They took a loss in Champions League this week to. Um, oh God, why am I blanking? Either way, I, I know they took a loss, but they 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 they've they're they're staying competitive because they know they got to keep up with the Joneses with Real Madrid and they're not sitting on their feet they lost to Inter Milan that's that's what it was but i they they, they would want Messi back and it would be a winning move for them i think it would be a winning move for Paris Saint-Germain to keep him too Messi is going to eventually near the twilight of his career but i think he's got a few good years but Messi for his part he says he does not want to be discussing contracts in the middle of the of the year and he said that and you know there's been no formal proposals to him but Add it to the rumor mill, Bernie, because once again, I, I, the greatest player in the world, Lionel Messi, will be back on a free market in twenty. Well, I'm, I'm going to make a prediction. What's up? I think I think it's a nice, sentimental story that Barcelona wants him back. All right, this might be a whack-ass prediction. I think he's going to get a huge offer, come to the MLS, play for Inter Miami. They're owned by David Beckham, and David Beckham is involved, and this would be one of the biggest deals ever in the MLS. That's my prediction. I think that's I, I I've heard those rumors too. That like I know one of the big pitches from Inter Miami is to get Messi to come stateside and give him like a share of the club itself. But I I think that is still in the cards. It would be the retirement move for Messi at this point. And I guess the only question I have in my mind versus his offers from Barcelona and PSG is how badly well, they can does, renew his contract. There's a chance they yeah. just renew him and he stays till 2024. Yeah, yeah. The, the only question in my mind is how badly does Lionel Messi want to go for another spin at the Champions League? And I would not fault him at home if, at all if he decides to take Inter Miami or MLS money. But I think at his age and the way he's playing, and he's still a little bit younger than Ronaldo too. He could probably keep going at Champions League. And if you have a chance to keep going at Champions League, you have a chance to keep adding to your hardware. True, which he does have plenty of. Yep. I mean, he's he has plenty of. Speaking of MLS here, probably on the next report, we'll talk about decision day that's coming up on Sunday. That's basically the last day of regular season. So we have a very weird, for the world of soccer, MLS is about to enter their weird phase, which is playoffs. Playoffs? In, in <laughs> soccer? More reference here. Okay. So, you know, r- real quickly, because... The irony is we almost never talk about women's soccer because it's a men's World Cup year. But the women lose a friendly today at, at, at England, and the game was played in at Wembley Stadium. Uh, I watched part of the game. Um, did you have any takeaway on that game at all for, for any reason? Uh, not really. It's it's a friendly, so I, I don't I, I don't have too many opinions on it. Like, look, the, the women's team is still the biggest draw among between the two teams. I would say the United States women's team 
is the is the big is the bigger one still. And the English team, women's team, is growing in uh, in popularity over there too. So it was a it was a big game. It was a statement win for England in the friendly, but uh, you know, outside of they're on their world, the road to their own World Cup, and I guess I'm, I'm more, I will more be ready to go once we get closer to that. Two quick takeaways, and you might have to look into this. First of all, there were almost seventy-seven thousand people in Wembley Stadium. That is the highest attended friendly match in women's soccer history, USWNT history. That's number one. Secondly, and you have to, we'll have to look into there was some sort of incident. I don't know. I don't know the backstory. I don't know the details. But before the game, before the match, both teams stood together at midfield and had a banner that said "Protect." Oh, the I, I know what that's about. So, so Sally Yates. Yes. So there's been an incident. We're we're really up against it here, but we'll, we we can probably talk, talk about, about this Saturday. Or? We can probably talk about it Saturday. There is some. There's a report out from NWSL, which has been very, very brutal to read. But yes, it's there. There is. Let's talk about that. There's, Saturday there's, because there's trouble in the world of women's soccer. It caught my eye. I, I go, oh man, something's going on here. I don't know the backstory, but seventy-seven thousand people attended that game, a friendly, and Wembley Stadium. It's, I mean, that's their version of Yankee Stadium, right? It's historic. All right, good stuff, Chris. We'll see you again in about twenty-four hours. You know, for another. Uh, edition of of the world of soccer coming up we wrap up the show and now that aaron judge has the american league record 62 home runs as a yankee and some would argue this is where the argument begins is the the rightful all-time leader roger maris jr weighs in on how he would like major league baseball to list home run records we'll talk about that coming up i'm bernie fratto coming to you live from the tireact.com studios here in las vegas this is the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Las Vegas TireRack.com studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together, Chris Perfett. Kevin Figures on the updates, and Ethan Miller. Thanks for the teamwork, guys. And I will be back on these airwaves Saturday night at 11 p.m. Pacific. All right, Roger Maris Jr. has never been shy about expressing his views on Major League Baseball's single-season home run record. So on Sunday, here's what he said. He said, Major League Baseball should create a separate record for, quote, PED home runs because back when his father hit 61 in 1961, there was an asterisk. The commissioner at the time, Ford Frick, not not to diminish the accomplishment, but to create a separate category because Ruth did it in 154 games. Maris did it in 162. So Maris Jr. believes that he, th- there should be two categories now, PED home runs and home runs. And now when Aaron Judge hit his 61st home run, Maris called he basically said that he thought Barry Bonds' total of 73 home runs, which was hit back in 2001, was illegitimate. Along with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, all three of them beat his father's record of 61 home runs. And they did it in an era that was predated of MLB testing. Remember, in 2000, well, check that. In 1991, baseball ratified that PEDs were illegal. However, there was no testing vehicle and certainly no enforcement vehicle. The testing vehicle didn't happen until 2003, 
The enforcement didn't happen until 2005. The irony, the first guy ever busted, 50 games, Alex Sanchez, a little skinny guy built like a blood donor, playing for the Tigers in 2006. I covered that team. Roger Maris Jr. genuinely believes it's not just for him. It's for the fans and other folks. He's clean. He's a Yankee. He's one of theirs. He's allowed to speak his mind. Will it happen? I wouldn't hold my breath. But for now, congratulations to Aaron Judge. That is going to do it for the Bernie Fratto Show here on Fox Sports Radio. But don't go anywhere. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Up next, the great Anthony Gargano. Keep it locked. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount+, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.